The Giants are getting a Dory Jackson back. They've got Xavier McKinney back. They got Gerard Davis in an inside linebacker, which was their weakest, you know, position on the team, arguably. Uh, on the other end, as I mentioned, Minnesota's down two offensive linemen, one of the best starting tackles in the NFL. Uh, is that a three-point swing? And, and in my opinion, it absolutely is a three-point swing. Are the Giants, after the way Coach Dayball and the team approached Week 18 in the loss of the Eagles, resting as many key starters as they could, are the Giants now the team on the right side of the injury report, which is something we haven't talked about in years? We have thoughts on that relative to the playoff matchup with the Minnesota Vikings. Looking forward to getting into it. We'll do that coming up next, but first and foremost, it's the Giants Wire podcast. Great to have you with us and welcome into the show. It's Ryan O'Leary here, joined as always by my good friend Dan Benton. Dan's the managing editor of the USA Today's Giants Wire. And Dan, we've been waiting for this moment to talk Giants playoffs. We thought it was coming early in the year when it was 7-2. It's finally arrived and we find ourselves in kind of a, what would we say, like a slow buildup to the game against the Vikings, right? Coming off of this kind of, you know, nothing game against the Eagles where the Giants didn't play a lot of their guys. We'll talk about it. It does feel like it's a slow buildup to what's going to be a really fun football game on Sunday this weekend against the Vikings. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's, you know, it's fun to see the Giants back in the playoffs. It's a long time coming. Uh, as you said, it is kind of a slow and, and odd start to the week, uh, just because of the way that the, you know the regular season closed. What a what an odd situation for the Giants to be in. You know, basically six years after their last playoff appearance, they're locked in. You know, uh, they're locked into their playoff seating, and it's them who get to rest their starters as opposed to the Eagles who are fighting for the number one seed. It's something you don't really get to see in the NFL very often. Uh, very, very strange situation, which sort of played out on the field itself. You know, we'll talk about that very strange game. But uh, as of this recording, we're, you know, obviously moving forward, getting ready for the playoffs, and it's a good matchup for the Giants. And excited to see the game, excited to talk about it. Yeah, we'll be getting to it. I, I want to start here, though, Dan. What did we learn? Did we learn anything from week 18 or is this just a complete throwaway game, right? I mean, the inactives, uh, it's pretty obvious what the Giants are doing. You know, Julian Love, Adoree Jackson, uh, Saquon, Aziz, Andrew Thomas, Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams, all inactive. Daniel Jones active, obviously doesn't play. Uh, and still in the second half of the game, the Giants outscore the Eagles starter 16 to 6. <laughs> Davis Webb is the quarterback and a bunch of backups out there. So, like, did we learn anything about this game? Should fans be excited about that? Is that anything? Well, I think the one thing that we learned from that game is that the the Giants, their their players, whether they're the top of the roster or the back end of the roster, have completely brought bought into uh, Brian Dayball and company, bought into the message, bought into the effort, uh, bought into being prepared. Um, you know, they started a little slow on Sunday, but you know, they, like you said, they kind of exploded a little bit in the second half and outplayed Phillies number one guys by a country mile. Um, that's a testament to the coaching staff. That's a testament to Davis Webb for, you know, bouncing back, playing hard. Gary Brightwell had some impressive runs, but that's, you know, that's not newly learned. We've seen that throughout the year. Obviously, Kenny Galladay with 90 seconds left in the season catches his first and probably last Giants touchdown. And it was an impressive catch too. You know, it wasn't like he was standing wide open in the end zone. So you got to tip your cap to him in that regard. Uh, but it's, as far as what we learned, I think we learned a lot more about the Eagles and where they're at at this point. And, you know, I know a lot of people want to believe that they took their foot off the gas and they didn't really want to empty the tank. And to some degree, that's probably true. But 
you know, you've seen them kind of slipping and sliding a little bit in recent weeks towards the end of the season. And uh, they didn't look particularly good uh, on Sunday. Jalen Hurts, I believe, is still hurt. Obviously, they get that bye week, which is a, is a plus for them. But they may end up regretting putting him into that game. Yeah, you think the Eagles might have peaked, Dan? Maybe they've already hit their their highest point of the season and they're on the way down. I mean, the Giants, you know, the, the thing about being the sixth seed is if you pull off the upset, you kind of expect the seventh seed to lose to number two, right? You, you kind of expect the Seahawks, who are nine and a half point dogs at San Francisco to lose. So that means you get the number one seed, right? Uh, and if the Giants and Eagles play the divisional round, boy, that would be uh that would be a hell of a game. And and obviously we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. We got a game this weekend to to, to win. But I want to go back here to uh, to Kenny Galladay. Did you just say he he caught his first and probably last touchdown catch as a Giant? So so you don't think that he is now wide receiver one as we saw that he was placed on the depth chart for this ball game? Wide receiver one. You're not buying that? Not at all. Not not for not for a single second. You know, listen, Galladay it was a nice touchdown catch, and you know it was a good explanation. Uh, you know, punctuation at the end of the season after a rough season. It was nice to see Dayball. You know, go to the bench you know, put his arm around him, you know, wish him well, lift him up. Uh, it was a great scene. I don't think it's going to change anything, though. The Giants, they have no reason to alter what got them here. And right now, you know, whether or not someone believes that Kenny Galladay has more potential than their top three receivers, the bottom line is that the Giants have found success in the passing game by using Isaiah Thomas, or uh, Hodgins, excuse me, uh, by using Darius Slayton, by using, you know, Richie James in the slot. And there's just no reason for the Giants to kind of, you know, fix what isn't broken. Now, you said, Dan, off the top that you thought this is a pretty good draw for the for the Giants. And I have to agree. I thought the Vikings was going to be their best case scenario is kind of it was kind of looked like it was trending that way with the way that week 18 was laid out. It ends up being this game. Uh, it's a game that the Giants nearly beat in Minnesota where they're going to play, obviously, on Sunday. On Christmas Eve, it took that 61-yard field goal by Greg Joseph uh, at the end of regulation to beat the Giants by a 27-24 score. The Giants are only three-point dogs in this game, meaning if it was played at a neutral site, like I guess the AFC Championship game might be played, Dan. Uh, if it's played at a neutral site, it's basically a pick right? Giants-Vikings. Mm-hmm. So coming into this game, especially if you're a Giants fan, you're feeling pretty good about this, right? If you're going on the road, this is a pretty good matchup for the Giants, a team you just played. A team that's been a little shaky, got blown out by Green Bay a couple weeks ago. I mean, kind of similar to the Eagles. The Vikings probably, maybe they played their best football in the you know early part of the year, first, third, half of the season. Maybe they're on the way down, right? I still think the Vikings are pretty good. I think they're dangerous. But in terms of a, a first-round opponent for the Giants, how can you not like love this as a, as a Giants fan? And now, Giants fans, as we build up to this game, they're seeing all kinds of national talking heads picking the Giants, Dan, right? Like, this is a trendy Don't like upset that. pick. Yeah, yeah this like is a trendy that. upset pick right now. Yeah, I, I'm never a big fan. And, you know, that's going back to, you know, my early days covering the Giants and even growing up as a Giants fan. I, I hate seeing, you know, national media pick the Giants to win. And I think most fans can, you know, relate to that feeling. They're not, they're not huge fans of that either. But, you know, as far as the first round draw, the wild card draw, I think that kind of played out in the way that everyone wanted it to. Um, It's the most ideal matchup for the Giants, of course. And that's not just because of the way they played them, you know, towards the end of the regular season. It just they match up well on paper. As explosive as Minnesota's offense may be, their defense is 
Well, well let's, you know, let's not beat around the bush. They're terrible. They're, ter- they're a terrible defense. They give up big plays. Um, you know, they struggle against the run. They struggle against the pass. They struggle in various situational areas. Uh, it's a good matchup for the Giants, especially for a team that, you know, kind of grinds the clock. They, you know, they want to, you know, play their best defense on the offensive side of the ball. That really bodes well for him in a game like this. And then, of course, you know, you can bring up the injuries as well. The Giants are getting healthy. They're going to have Dory Jackson back. They've got Xavier McKinney back, which is two huge pieces of their secondary to compete with that high-powered Vikings offense. They got Gerard Davis now, who finally got his feet wet, played well in Week 18 against the Eagles. That improves the team on the inside, um, especially against the run, which is where they had been getting hammered. Uh, you know, Leonard Williams had some time off to get a little healthy now. So he'll come, you know, he'll come back into this game uh, feeling a little bit better, feeling a little bit healthier, a little bit stronger, and that bodes well for the Giants as well. So defensively, I think uh, things are, you know, trending in the positive direction for the Giants, whereas offensively for the Vikings, things are sort of trending in the opposite direction. They lost, you know, one of their starting tackles, one of the highest graded tackles uh, in the NFL. They lost their backup uh, center who had started 100% of the snaps against the Giants um, in that late season game. Um, Their starting center is still a little bit banged up. They're going to try and practice them on Wednesday. Obviously, this podcast will come out around that time, a little bit after that, and uh, we'll know a little bit more at that time. But as of right now, they're not positive that he's going to be able to get enough reps because of his back injury to play in this game. So all of these things sort of favor into the, you know, into the Giants direction. So it's not just about the matchup. It's about the health. It's about the timing. It's about the confidence. And, And right now, the Giants are in a good place. A little funny to have the Giants be on that end of the uh, injury situation, Dan. Yeah, right, right. It's, it's very, and, you know, folks can, well, people can debate uh, and, until they turn blue about whether Dayball made the right choice resting his starters last week. We came on here, Dan, last week saying, rest your starters, Dayball, rest them. Uh, he did that. Now there's the that big debate between rest versus, you know, rust. Uh, we chose rest. We think it was a good move for the Giants. We'll see if it plays out for him. But yeah, I mean, that first meeting, you talked about the Vikings defense. They're really, really bad. I mean, they can they could rush the passer a little bit, but their back end is just bad. Their their secondary is bad. They give up plays. And if you look at this first meeting, I mean, Daniel Jones had a really good game. He threw for 334 yards, Dan, completed 30 uh, of 42 passes. But it's like the big plays, right? Richie James had a 33-yard catch. Isaiah Hodgins had a 29-yard catch. Darius Slayton had a 32-yard catch. Like, big plays in the passing game. It could be that kind of. I, I really, I really am looking forward to the matchup because it's going to be a really fun game. Like Minnesota's explosive on offense, the Giants could be more explosive than most weeks against this team, and they were in the first meeting. I, I just feel like again, it's going to come down to. I, I'm expecting something similar to the first meeting. Some something like a close ball game, tie, one score game in the fourth quarter, and now who can win? And really, these have been two of the best teams of football in the fourth quarter, right? We remember early in the year where. Daniel Jones kept leading these fourth quarter comebacks for the Giants. We're like, how does this keep happening? And they keep doing it every single week. The Vikings have been that team too, right? Mm-hmm. One score win after one score win after one score win. They're down. They come back. They were down, what, 33 nothing to the Colts? Come back yeah, and win that. I mean, these are, two, these are two teams that can figure out how to win. They, they know how to win in the fourth quarter. They're comfortable in that spot. I think it could be very similar to the first meeting. Another really, this could be one of the best yeah. football games on the slate. Certainly could be. Has that potential? I mean, like you said, Minnesota is the number one team in one score games. The Giants are the number two team in one score games. Their last meeting came down to one score. Here's the thing, though. 
it's really difficult to beat any team in the NFL, no matter how, where the talent and personnel discrepancy is. It's very difficult to win at the NFL level. It's very, very difficult to beat a team twice in a season, uh, especially a team that you match up well with or match up evenly with. And the way I look at this game is I fully expect, like you said, this game to come down to the very end. That, that plays into the hands of both of these teams. That's what they want. They want to bring it down into the final moments of the fourth quarter. The way I look at it is the Giants are getting a Dory Jackson back. They've got Xavier McKinney back. They got Gerard Davis in an inside linebacker, which was their weakest you know, position on the team, arguably. Uh, on the other end, as I mentioned, Minnesota's down two offensive linemen, one of the best starting tackles in the NFL. Uh, is that a three-point swing? And in my opinion, it absolutely is a three-point swing. And it's that health, it's that rest that people viewed as so controversial for the Giants in Week 18 that I feel is ultimately going to push them over the edge. Looking at the slate overall for the playoffs, Dan, what do you think about the NFC? Just what do you think about the matchups you're seeing, how this could play out for the Giants? Is the NFC, we talked about the Eagles, maybe not flying as high as they were, maybe not having a healthy Jalen Hurts going into the playoffs. He certainly didn't look 100% against the Giants, right? And week 18, we, we both agree on that. What do you think? I mean, the Cowboys have looked shaky. The Buccaneers have looked shaky all season long. The Vikes, they're shaky. The 49ers have their third string quarterback out there. Like, is this conference as wide open as it kind of seems heading in? It's, yeah, it's pretty wide open. I don't think there's any one dominant team. You could argue maybe that the 49ers are a third string quarterback or not. They're... They're playing exceptionally well and have an absolutely dominating defense. Uh, McCaffrey has sort of put them over the top offensively. You know, if their quarterback is struggling, they can just ride him in the same way that the Giants can ride Saquon. Uh, you know, he's good out of the backfield. He's a good rusher. They're they're a strong team all around. I think they're arguably the most dangerous team in the NFC. But I'm not sure that you know the gap between them and the rest of the the field there is as pronounced as it is when you kind of look at the AFC and their top teams compared to where you know, the bottom teams are in there. I think it's it's much more evenly matched in the NFC. And listen, I doubt it's going to happen, but if, you know, former giant Geno Smith can somehow upset the 49ers, I think that really sets the stage potentially for, you know, who knows, a Giants run, how far they go. You know, we'll see. They got to win the first one to, to even start thinking about that kind of thing, but they're very confident. Um, I thought they were getting hot at the right time, um, arguably as hot as any other team, you know, in the NFC. Because like you just said, Philly's, you know, not flying as high as they were. Dak Prescott looks like an absolute disaster. Uh, you know, the Buccaneers are certainly beatable. The Seahawks themselves are, you know, they kind of slowed down there and they they weren't particularly impressive over the last half of the season. So the way it is, is the Giants, you know, they got as good a chance as any in the NFC at this point. I kind of wish the Lions got in. I would have liked the Lions against the 49ers a little bit more. That team just has like a thing. You know, the Lions, I, I don't know if I trust the Seahawks, but yeah, Giants fans on Saturday, that, that first kickoff, we're all going to be watching, Dan, right? Got to be pulling for the Seahawks, right? We oh, just yeah. got to blow I, up this conference. I don't think I have a choice, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't see it happening, but at least it's a division no. game. At least it's a division game, right? You never know. Yeah, they're, teams, they're fluky. Yeah. You know, that, yeah. that's how it is in the NFL. You never really know when you play, you know, in the division. And like I said, it's it's difficult to beat a team in the NFL once, let alone multiple times. So you never know how it's going to go. Could go either way. So Dayball came out. I, I love this quote from Dayball, Dan. He comes out and he basically says, guys, playoff experience is overrated. I know a lot of our guys don't have a lot of playoff experience, but it, it's not about that. Uh, I, I kind of love that comment. I love his attitude. I know people are, are really pushing Dayball for coach of the year. I'm all for that. 
what do you think about those comments when he when he came out and said and, and you guys had that post on Giants Wire that mm-hmm. the uh, playoff experience is overrated? I don't disagree with him necessarily. Uh, it's not so much that the playoff experience is overrated. It's that you kind of got to keep with your routine. And that's that's sort of the point that he was driving home. It's that you can have all the playoff experience in the world, but if you don't treat that game the same that you've treated every other game, you don't prepare the same way that you prepared and you don't practice the same way that you practiced, that experience is not going to be what carries you over. You're not going to be able to, to take a step back on everything that got you here and rely solely on whatever experience you may have had to carry you through the playoffs because that's not how it works. Um, the Giants, overall, they don't have a ton of playoff experience. There are some guys that do. You know, Graham Gano, he kicked in a Super Bowl. Dayball's been to a few. He has a national championship under his belt, too. Uh, you know, he's certainly got a ton of experience, so he's seen it from both sides. Uh, but I do. I tend to agree with what he said. I, I don't think that playoff experience is completely invaluable. Uh, but it certainly is overrated in the context of preparation and practice. Now, I want to hit this before we move on to other topics. I want to talk about Mike Kafka a little bit, Dan. But before we get there, uh, we talked about the Vikings having potential issues on the O-line. And I know you are a little worried about Evan Neal <laughs> heading into the playoffs, right? I just want that's, to make sure we no, cover that's that. That's an understatement. <laughs> Go ahead. Tell uh, us why. Listen, Evan Neal has struggled. He struggled all season long. I don't think we've been shy about acknowledging that. He's a rookie. Uh, He's been playing through injury. That's not an excuse. It's just the reality of the situation. Uh, You know, but he he looked particularly bad against the Eagles on on Sunday, and that was sort of meant to be a redemption game for him. That's how he was looking at it. Uh, He didn't fare well. Um, and, And the Giants, you know, they're sort of questionable as it is along the offensive line outside of Andrew Thomas, who's obviously, you know, dominant at this point. Um, I would say maybe the rest of them, other than Neil, hover around average, you know, and maybe, you know, I know some people don't necessarily agree with this, but maybe Feliciano below average a little bit. Uh, Evan Neal, on the other hand, he, he is ranked graded dead last in the NFL among offensive tackles. And it's not just the grade. It's not one of those things where you could dismiss it and say, oh, it's pro football focus. Who cares? If you turn on the film and watch it, it's easy to see that he's getting absolutely dominated out there on a regular basis. So the Giants are most certainly going to have to account for that. I don't think they're going to bench him. I'm not really sure that would be the right decision anyway. There's been too much flux along that offensive line all season. You need the the consistency at this point. You've got to be able to trust the guys that are around you. And I know, you know, Neil is struggling. But Glowinski is familiar with that at this point. The Giants are familiar with that at this point. You kind of got to stay the course. But if there was ever a time for Neil to turn it on and even play at an average level, this game would certainly be it. It's not, it's not something to like freak out about long term, right? We saw similar stuff with Andrew Thomas. Oh, yeah. yep. But for this playoff, I, run. I do. <laughs> I do wonder, though. I do wonder if the Giants and I hate to say this because I'm not re- I think that the NFL needs to have more patience with players than they do. You know, as the years go on and and the league evolves, it seems to be that every position, there's less patience with players. I would like to see the Giants have patience with Evan Neal, but I wouldn't be surprised to learn that there's any consideration given next year of maybe moving him inside to guard. That's an interesting, uh, interesting take. We could maybe workshop that a little bit in the off season as well, Dan, but another question here, Mike Kafka, I think the dude, his his stock is high, right? His stock is high after this season. He's done a great job. Yes, uh, for for you know all the all the things we've talked about all season long, all the kind of deficiencies with this offense, all the all the reasons the Giants should 
not be operating as a, a real NFL offense. You know what I mean? All the things that they're working that are working against them in terms of personnel. Uh, Brian Dayball, Mike Kafka, that whole crew has done um, an enviable job uh, helping Daniel Jones develop, helping uh, this offense be more than representative, helping them get the Giants to this point. Now the Panthers, the Texans, they're calling for Mike Kafka. They're, they've requested permission to interview him for the head coaching jobs that are open for those teams. What do you think about that? You think Mike Kafka is ready to to be a head coach? You think he's a flight risk this offseason? It's tough call because, listen, he's the interest in him is warranted. He has earned that at this point. I'm not sure how comfortable I'd be as an owner or general manager hiring a first year offensive coordinator who, you know, who had only ever worked with one other team before. And, you know, the highlight of that, you know, those promotions was quarterbacks, coach and passing game coordinator. And that's not a knock on Kafka. Listen, he's done an excellent job in every position that he's been in. And he's obviously an intelligent football mind dating back to his playing days. Uh, You know, much in the same way it is with Davis Webb, everybody knows he was destined to be you know, a coach someday, whether or not that was an offensive coordinator, head coach, whatever, however far he could climb that ladder. And I do think that that ceiling exists for Mike Kafka. I'm just not 100% sure it's going to come after one season. Granted, to his credit, like you said, he he took an offense with very lacking personnel, a quarterback that no one believed in, and as of the season's end, turned it into a top 15 scoring offense, which is almost hard to believe when you really consider everything that the team has gone through and some of their low scoring games earlier in the season. So it is a testament to, you know, the job that Kafka's done, the, the job that Dayball has done. But you got to ask yourself how much of that is Dayball, how much of that is the other offensive staff, how much of it is Kafka. And I'm not trying to diminish his value. Like I said, I fully believe that he's going to be an NFL head coach someday. He's certainly got the brains for it. He's got the know-how for it. Um, he, he's great working with the personnel that he has, and that will, you know, you know, that'll follow him into being a head coach someday. I, I just don't know if he's got enough experience at the level that he's at right now for a team to ultimately buy into him being a head coach. But at the same time, you know, who am I to say, because the Giants hired Joe judge. So you never know. Yeah. It, it, I was going to say that it actually, it almost feels like too knee jerky. I mean, this has been his first you know, his first year in this role, it's been a good year for him, but it is like, all right, you're the head coach, like kind of Joe judge, like a little bit too much of a knee jerk reaction. Uh, But if I'm Kafka and I'm getting interviews, the Panthers job might be actually kind of interesting. The Texans job, I tell them to go F themselves. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) would you want to work for the Texans who fired their head coach after every freaking season, Dan? Like, no, thank you. No, thank you. I don't, I don't know if I'm into that. Also, they don't, they don't know how to, to get the number one pick when they should just lose Dan instead they win. Um, well, you know how I feel about tanking. I'm not a big <laughs> yeah, fan of that. Yeah, but, that's true. But you know, in yeah. week 18, when you're when you have the number one pick, what do you do, guys? Um, all right, so it's that time of the show when we get the great Danton's pick. But I think Dan, you've already kind of made it. I think you made it in yeah. your commentary earlier. You you think the uh, the Giants as three point dogs is uh, is a is a good bet, right? Go ahead, tell us tell us why. I just think it's a great matchup for the Giants. I thought, you know, listen, if you, I don't remember exactly what I said when uh, the Giants and Vikings played previously, um, but I do recall, you know, at the time saying, I feel like this is a good matchup for the Giants. And I, and that, you know, was proven true in my own mind. I think everybody kind of saw that the Giants had every chance to win that game It was, you know, fluke franchise record field goal from beyond 60 as time expired. I mean, that's something that doesn't, it seems to happen to the Giants a lot, but it doesn't happen every day in the NFL. And, I don't envision that happening again because of all the mention, you know, all the reasons I mentioned earlier. 
I think getting a Dory Jackson back, having Xavier McKinney out there, getting Davis in at middle linebacker, uh, Michael McFadden's playing a little bit better. Hopefully he can keep that going. I think for all of those reasons, it's going to give the defense just enough in this game to maybe hold Jefferson out from that big play like he made the last time these two teams met to set up that field goal. I, I think they come up just short in that kind of situation, whereas on offense, the Giants have really begun to take that next step in terms of what it is they do. You know, teams began selling out stops to Coin Barkley, so then Daniel Jones just took over. Now the Vikings have to go into this game knowing that they can't, they can't focus solely on Saquon. They can't focus solely on Daniel Jones because if you focus on one, the other one's going to beat you. So this might be the best opportunity for the Giants to have a truly balanced offensive uh, game. And and that will also allow them to control the clock. And the longer they control the clock, the less likely it is the Vikings are going to put up big points. So o- overall, I just think it's it's really matches up well for the Giants. I think they'll play well um, in the atmosphere. I don't think the you know the lack of playoff experience is going to hurt them. And above all else, they're extremely confident. This isn't a team that thinks they can just go in and beat the Vikings. This is a team that genuinely believes that they have an opportunity to go out there and potentially win a Super Bowl championship. As crazy as that may sound to some, you know, that may, you know, be weird in your ear. But this team truly, truly believes that they're hitting the stride at the exact right point. And that confidence is going to carry them potentially a long way. Yeah, I'll say this about the Giants. I see the Super Bowl champion this year on the AFC side, Dan. I see it. It's either Chiefs, Bengals, or Bills. And my, 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 I know I'm really going out on a limb there. <laughs> you know, I'm really going out on a limb. But I feel like the, the Super Bowl champ is in one of those three teams. That being said, I don't see the Giants being a pushover for any of these teams in the NFC. I think they're going to be a tough out. I don't think anybody's going to be excited to play them. People, you know, the national talking heads can talk the Giants down and say they don't, they don't belong there. They're the biggest fraud, whatever. I don't think anybody wants to see this Giants team. I think there's like some moxie going on here. They're tough. Daniel Jones has been playing really tough. Uh, yeah, no, no, thank you. No, I don't, if I'm the Vikings or any of these teams, the Eagles, I don't want anything to do with this team. So yeah, I think I think a run is very, very possible. And I will say this, Dan, my one and done meter, you know, the doo, 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 my one and mm-hmm. done meter has been loving the Cowboys and Vikings for like a month now, you know, <laughs> going back to when the Cowboys were like, fighting tooth and nail not to lose to the Texans. Remember that a few weeks ago? Yeah. And they yeah. had that weird game against the Titans too in the first half when the Titans had like a backup quarterback in there or whatever. Oh, my one and done meter. They've been loving the Cowboys and then the Vikings too. Uh, I think the Vikings all year long. I'm like, yep, that's going to be a one and done team. Uh, the well, they're very that, one-sided, the Vikings. Yeah, you know, they're they're yeah. really a very one-dimensional team. It's hard to win in the playoffs, let alone win a Super Bowl title when you're you're a very one-dimensional football team, and that's exactly what they are. But you're right, I think, in terms of, of the NFC. I don't think any of these teams other than the 49ers are really coming in hot at this point. Uh, a lot of them have cooled down. You've seen a lot of struggles uh, towards the end of the season for, for many of these teams. So, you know, you know who knows? You know, it, that's, that's the beauty of the NFL playoffs and the beauty of football in general is that Anyone can win on any given Sunday. And right now, in terms of momentum, the Giants are at the high end of that where many of these other NFC teams are not. And I'm I'm terrible with like the sayings, Dan, but you know, I think you know, there's a saying you cut the cut the head off the snake. I think mm-hmm. it's Jefferson, right? I mean, and have you seen Jefferson the last couple of weeks? Do you see how did you see how frustrated he was against Jair right. Alexander and against well, Green? I, I, you're right. And I think that's that's another great point that I actually did mean to bring up is is that the uh the blueprint now to stopping him is there. It's it's out there for the Giants to adapt. And listen, if there's anyone that's going to be able to adapt to that, 
it's going to be Wink Martindale. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I think seeing how frustrated Jefferson was against Green Bay was like, ooh, I'm like, oh, that's that's bad luck. Uh, he was really frustrated, and I know because Dan, he's he's a guy who's on my he's on my fantasy team. So I was like, it was my it was my Super Bowl. I'm like, Justin, can you can you please get more than one catch for 15 yards? And no, he couldn't. That's what he ended up with against Green Bay. You know, look at Jefferson's stats the last couple of weeks. They have not been good, uh, and he is there's something going on with him. He's just he's been way more visibly frustrated on the field. It's just something to watch. If the Giants can get in his head early. And maybe even I, I would say, who's the best trash talker on the Giants' defense, Dan? Some get in his ear, get get in his <laughs> face, gonna, talk trash to gonna, him. Yeah, you can get in his be head. Dexter Lawrence. <laughs> yeah, Dexter Lawrence. There it is, Dexter. Uh, get in his head because he is. Uh, he can kind of melt down. I mean, we all see, we all saw the the meme on social media, the video of him almost accidentally crushing the the referee when he was trying to throw his helmet. Against right, Green Bay, right. oh yeah. I, I mean, I mean, Dan, he did that multiple times. He he kept going to the sideline and spiking the helmet. He did it like two or three times in that game. So there's something I don't know what's going on with him. Maybe he hates Kirk Cousins. I have no idea. It's speculation. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's speculation. But he has been very, very, very frustrated. Uh, can the Giants frustrate Justin Jefferson and make him get off his game? If yeah. you do, I don't think the Vikings are are quite as dangerous. They need that guy. Uh, yeah, and that's going to be the yeah. great thing about having a Dory Jackson back. He's easily, easily far and away their best cover corner. And uh, obviously, you know, Xavier McKinney is a big time center fielder. So, you know, that's there's not going to be no taking the top off these Giants with McKinney back there for Jefferson. So uh, they're going to have to change the way that they play offense a little bit. And like you said, that that hasn't bode well for them in, in recent weeks. I don't know if the Giants, you know, are going to completely shut them down. I'm not discounting Jefferson at all. Listen, he's arguably the best wide receiver in all of football. But, you know, the Giants are getting healthy at the right time. They got Wink Martindale. And let me tell you what, I trust Wink Martindale. Same here. And I was just joking about Kirk Cousins. Yeah, you know, whether, whether you like him or not as a quarterback, Dan, he seems like a really funny guy off the field. So I think players love him. Teammates probably He's certainly coming to his own with the Vikings. Uh, yeah. You know, it's like he got confident with who he was. And, uh, you know, it's 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 fun to see. But I'm not interested in seeing any chain you know, celebration this week. So. <laughs> yeah, not at all. I think, I think the Giants have a chance. And to that, to that point, Dan, I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to try to put you on the spot one more time. Although you sound really confident. Um, are you betting Giants plus three? Or are you betting Giants money line? You know, which way do you think the Giants just win this thing outright? Would would folks find more value just betting the money line at like plus one forty? Is what I'm seeing as we record. Is right that now. what it was? Yeah, yeah, I couldn't remember what it was as you were asking that. But listen, at this point, if you're going to make a bet on it, just bet Giants outright. Giants outright. That's the pick uh, from the grant the great Danton. I'm sorry, Giants money line against the Vikings. I think they have a shot too. We're joining all of those all those national media types standing yeah. there picking the Giants. We're on the bandwagon. Shocker. I know it's a shocker that we're picking the Giants. Come on. <laughs> hey, I, I feel like I've been pretty fair and honest uh, over the last few years when I pick Giants games, but I am confident um, in the Giants going into this one. Could they lose? Of course they could. Uh, you know, the Vikings, like I said, they're a powerful offense. They're good. Uh, and they're at home. And, and you know, listen, Minnesota, regardless of what Nick Gates had to say this week about it not being as loud as he thought it was going to be, it's going to be extra loud now that he said that. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Nick. Uh, that is, yeah, right. That is a hostile environment. <laughs> Uh, there's there's no discrediting that whatsoever. Uh, like I said, though, I just think that the Vikings are just entirely too one-dimensional, and this matches up really well for a suddenly healthy Giants team. Yeah, I mean, worst-case scenario with, like, 
Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, TJ Hawkinson. I mean, all those yep. weapons is that they hit some big plays early, get the crowd into it, get a lead and put the Giants at a tough spot. Right. That's the worst case scenario. Um, and, and that could happen. The, the Vikings could put together a really good game and, and win this. Sure. Thing, no sure. doubt about it. But the Giants have a good shot. <laughs> they have a good shot. It's a good matchup. And that's them. it's kind of crazy to think, you know, that we're in this position now looking at a wild card game. Uh, for a team that many thought weren't going to win any more than three games all season long. And not only are they in the playoffs, but we're looking at the NFC, uh, you know, group of teams. And we're like, you know what, maybe, maybe you never know. (laughs) And I I think that's a really wild spot to be because I don't think it's overly optimistic. I don't think it's unrealistically optimistic. Uh, The Giants got hot. They came together at the right time. The NFC is weak. You know, it just it's weird how everything fell together. But the Giants, they have a chance. They do. And I was trying to think I was like, what team had a better rebuilding year? Was it the Bears, who completely gutted their roster, got the number one pick, have all the cap space, right? Is it the Bears, and they have the quarterback already? Or the Giants, who were supposed to be in a rebuilding year, Dan, but now they're in the playoffs, right? Like, who had the better rebuilding year? I don't know. It's, that's, a, that's an interesting debate. Yeah. I'll have to ask a list. There's plenty to talk well. about this offseason, whether <laughs> that comes at the end of this week or if it comes you know, in February. There's certainly a lot to talk about, no doubt about it. The Giants... Um, you know, in terms of salary cap health, they're in a good spot too. So, you know, credit to Joe Shane, credit to Brian Dayball. The turnaround has far exceeded what anyone possibly could have dreamed of. Yep. And uh, we have a playoff game to watch uh, this weekend. I know Giants fans are stoked for that. We're we're building up to it, Dan. I think by, you know, Friday, Saturday, we're really going to, you know, we're really going to be ready. And we're going to be ready to just root for the Seahawks. First of all, just blow this thing up, blow the bracket up. And then come Sunday, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a site. I think one, maybe the best game on the slate, Giants Vikings. I, I I can't wait for that ball game. Uh, we'll of course be watching. Make sure folks are checking out Giants Wire. Dan and the crew will be. You'll have everything right, Dan. Everything coming up to preview this game on Giants Wire. Yeah, we got all kinds of stuff going on. So there's going to be all kinds of different coverage, uh, including some unique things that we don't usually do for, uh, for for weekly content. So there's going to be all there's going to be a whole mishmash of things for for Giants fans to consume this week. So check out Dan on Giants Wire. Enjoy the game. We can't wait. We'll be back next week to break down hopefully another opponent for the Giants. We'll catch you then. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.